You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. is up football fans welcome into this episode of the three-man rush brought to you by sb nation on the buffalo rumblings podcast network and is being served up to you live by picasso's pizza on the buffalo rumblings vidcast network treat yourself to the most flavorful pizza on game day picasso's we are buffalo pizza shipping local and nationwide order online at picasso's pizza.net welcome in folks to another episode the second episode ever of the three-man rush we got the three folks involved in the rush miss sarah larson the man himself jerry ostrowski how are we folks good hanging in there i mean doing great a lot better than i was sunday Right. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that. We'll get to that at the end because I don't want to yeah. bum the whole show out by yeah, starting with start that. Out. Yeah, we're gonna start everybody's feelings hurt. My you know, like uh, <laughs> yeah, bringing that back. But yeah, it was not a good weekend. Uh, you know, and that's fine. You know, that's gonna happen sometimes. I think in the NFL, Jerry was hinting to that on the show to us last week that we might want to prepare ourselves to not be that happy with what happened. Unfortunately, it wasn't great. But. Uh, what you guys told us about the college games that we talked about last week, I think you're on the number on quite a few of the things we talked about. Some of the teams we thought might make their way in fell further back. We saw some good movement. Georgia looked like they're still the best. Thoughts? Good, yeah. sir. I was going to say, yeah, with Georgia, um, I kind of said it from the beginning. I wanted to pull for Tennessee, but I just didn't think. I thought that Georgia should have been number one. Uh, heading into the um, into the matchup, and and we'll definitely talk more about you know the mm-hmm. uh, playoffs coming up. But uh, Alabama was my mm-hmm. shocker. Um, yeah. I kind of kept it. I kind of thought they would keep it close, and um, that they would, but they would still pull out the win. Uh, you know, LSU. It was crazy to me that they they pulled it off, but they did. Awesome, Jerry. Saturday night in Baton Rouge, man. I'm telling you, <laughs> crazy things happen once a year down at that place, and. And it happened again uh, this week with Bama. You know, we're going to talk about it here in a little bit, Sarah, one of our top three games without giving too much away. 
Um, Bama has trouble playing on the road. They're only two and two on the road. They're undefeated at home. We'll get into some of that, but um, big time win by LSU. Brian Kelly already with a statement win, um, his mm-hmm. first year in the SEC. Um, I was, uh, you know, I was like you on this whole Georgia thing. I thought it was interesting. Kirby Smart went after the game. They asked him. They said, "Hey, how how did you send Tennessee packing?" And he said, "Man, I got a team that loves one another." And then he threw this in, and we did it without one transfer. And I thought that was really interesting. I thought that was a statement he was making to the rest of the SEC that they do a great job of recruiting. So um, great college slate last week, another good one this week. Now, remember, not too many big-time SEC games this week, although we will get into one um, because this is the bye week in the middle of the season (laughs) that the SEC has uh, every year. I think somebody's playing Tennessee Martin this week and – Whoever bringing else, the JV so, uh, squads for practice exactly, reps, right? Yeah, exactly. Because of that odd number with their with their scheduling, they allow this later in the year. But uh, still, a good slate of college football this week. Yeah, love it. I mean, it was a great weekend again. Every weekend that we get to hang out and just watch college football and all the there's always drama. There's always the rivalries. It's just so much fun, right? You know, so it's a lot of fun to chat about. Before we get into the playoffs and how everything shook out, we just saw the release. You know, the, again for this week of where everybody stands. Our, our hopes at the beginning of the season was that somehow the Syracuse Orange might find their way, but now we've lost three in a row. It's not looking real good. They're getting ready to go up against Florida State this weekend, who's coming off a couple wins where they've put up a lot of points. They're looking good. Where are you guys at on this game? I want to know this. Has anybody heard what happened to uh, uh, Schrader, the quarterback? He was obviously out. Um, they went ahead and played Carlos Del uh, Rio Wilson, uh, who did not play very, very well. I think he had a 28.5 quarterback rating. But any word on 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 Schrader and why he's out? Because it said undisclosed. Yeah, Dino said he has an owie. That's literally what he said the other day was he had an owie. I watched the press conference and I started cracking up laughing. Do you want to know what that's translated to? That's translated to he's either transferring or I'm going mm-hmm. to the league and I do not want to get hurt by the end of the year. He'll yeah, be gone before the bowl game. For yeah, sure. some of it's uh, concerning. Um, again, I was surprised. I knew of the injury, but I was surprised that he uh, he didn't play. Um, and like you said, Del, Del Rio Wilson looked terrible. I mean, like terrible. They had 25 yards rushing. That's how many yards rushing Syracuse yeah. had. had the, the, whole, the whole offense could not – get anything going whatsoever. And I want to believe that that's because Schrader wasn't playing um, because, you know, he's shown what he can do. Uh, You know, they didn't win six games for no reason. Uh, They were really good and they were moving the ball. And um, even our rushing attack um, hasn't looked great since uh, he's been out. So I think that something needs to obviously happen. And if he doesn't play this week, Syracuse is going to get, destroyed by FSU and that pains me to say it like no as a University of Miami alumni it pains me to say that you got destroyed two weeks ago by by Florida State right oh last week last week week, excuse me you know what's there that this kind of goes with what you said last week like because you made a comment about Schrader as quarterback play why is he still playing maybe kind of questioned it a little bit but now you kind of see why Baber was playing him um because he has nobody else. And um, now I guess, obviously, uh, his hand is getting forced. Uh, Wilson's going to have to play. But, 
you know, the, the problem with Syracuse right now, and it's it's unless you're in it, it's hard to understand. But when you have a team that what won two games last year mm-hmm. and now they're bowl eligible, now they hit a rough stretch, all of a sudden you get what's known as PTSD. And you start getting that feeling back again of, oh, no, we're going to, you know, we're not that good. We're going to fall back into where we were. So, um, you know, they can right the ship this week with a big game against Florida State. Obviously, uh, Mike Norvell has has flipped the fan base and flipped the uh, the roster down there to where, you know, he had a rocky start, but they send, uh, they seem to like him now. They, he seems to be doing well. So um, I know Mike real well. He used to coach at Tulsa way back in the day, Central Arkansas guy. But um, – that's for you, by the way, Colt. My, uh, I love it. my name, my name drop of somebody that I know within that I game. I love it. Let's keep it going. I'm gonna try and stay, keep it try going. And stay for you. But yep. um, anyway, um, yeah, I'm with you, Sarah. This is this is going to be a rough game, rough, rough game for the Qs. I'm afraid. Yeah. So uh, just on the way this thing breaks down, as far as the numbers and stuff, Syracuse is a seven point underdog, right? Um, so far, and FSU's won three out of the last four meetings between these two teams already. The bet percentage, the money's with FSU, but uh, the sharp money is supposedly with the Syracuse Orange this week in the plus seven. So maybe they think somebody's playing. Who knows? But we'll see. Uh, It's going to be a rough one, I think, either way. You're watching a team that is definitely putting up points against a team that has clearly lost its way, right? So let's get into this college football playoff. I think it was pretty hard to not move people where they got put, right? I mean, when you're successful, you deserve to go to the top. So number one, we get Georgia. Number two, we get Ohio State. Number three, we get the Michigan team that Jerry was alluding to last week, probably should have already been in there. Then we get TCU who needs everybody in front of them to lose for them to get their way in there. And then the outside looking in Tennessee, Oregon, LSU, right? How you guys feel about all that? I want to know. Probably my question to you is is in, in, in you know and Sarah and you Colt, what did what did Tennessee do to get knocked out of the four? Thank I mean you. that's kind of where you got to look at. Now I think mm. TCU is yeah. worthy. I really do. I think when you put a resume together like they have, they are undefeated. It's hard not to put an undefeated team in that final four or that that four for the week. But seriously though, if you look at it, if okay, let me put it. Let me pose it this way: If Alabama loses to Georgia. <laughs> Are they out of the four? No, no. And I think I think that that's you know exactly what you stated. Why did they um, get knocked completely out? I understand the undefeated keep the undefeateds up, you know, one through four. But Tennessee literally lost to the best team in the nation. It is their only loss, and right. they're the only team that has beat three ranked teams throughout the year already. And I believe yep. two of those three are now in the top ten. So, because they beat Alabama and they beat um, LSU. So, realistically, they're beat, you know, they beat three really good teams. I can't remember who the third team is. I want to say Pitt um, earlier in the season. So, at this point in time, I hate the fact that they um, that they were knocked out. Uh, I, I would have had, the, had them at four. Um, I think that this week it's going to be, shake, you know, shaken up again a little bit where TSU um, or TCU will be playing Texas. So mm-hmm. uh, depending on how they, you know, play, it could get shaken up again. But, um, you know, I, I'm really surprised and kind of elated that, that Bama clutched <laughs> it out. Um, and it's the first time that one of them are not in the top four since the, the playoffs started. Um, I had to, like, literally go back and look. Uh, because when I started thinking about it, I was like, no, I'm wrong. And I had to go and look. And one of them has at one point in time has always been in the, um, 
the top four. So it's, it, you know, interesting to see other people in there. Now, I, I honestly think Bama, Bama's road is really hard to get back in, but I don't think Clemson's is. I think if Clemson wins um, the ACC, that they'll be back in there, at, yeah. at, you know, as a third or fourth, and that would be over. Even if everyone else wins out, it would still be over either Michigan or TCU just because of Clemson's resume. I don't think you leave TCU out if they're undefeated. I just really don't. I think at the mm-hmm. season, if at the end of the year they're undefeated and they do leave them out with teams, it, it, with, with all these teams having one loss or most of them have one loss, then they should abolish the whole playoff because <laughs> it's not what it's supposed to be. If you're undefeated, I mean, what else can they do, right? Um, I think it is telling, though, that TCU is playing on the road. This is one of our three games. We'll get into it without getting too much away. They're an underdog on the road. Now, they're on the road, but still, they're undefeated. They're in a four, but they are a seven-point dog in right. Texas. So that's, uh, that is interesting. Obviously, Ohio State and Michigan will take care of itself. Um, I'm, with, I'm kind of on Ohio State like, like uh, we were last week on Georgia. I think they're really, really good. Um, it's going to be a tall task for Michigan to beat them. But, um, you know, this is, this is why, and I know, Sarah, I know that you're like me, and if I'm, and if I'm putting words in your mouth, please correct me. I hate this four-team thing. <laughs> I, w- I want eight. I want 12. Get me 16. Hell, give me 32. I don't care. <laughs> I don't like this four because it puts humans in control of what's right. going on, and I do not like that. I like the old system with computers more than I like this system, and I hated yeah. that one. So, um, yeah, but very, very telling that Tennessee loses to the best team in the country and um, they are not in the four. So, um, and, and, you know, it's it's so hilarious if you listen to the what them talk was last week, the reason TCU was not in is because they did not start games well, right? This week when they got put in, they praised the fact that they were a second-half team and they were able to turn things around <laughs> and beat teams in the second half. So, you know. Yeah, that's why – as good as mine. When you first asked the question initially, I wrote down one word, politics. And that's yeah. all I wrote down because yeah. TCU to me – and when you and you just made this uh, comment, Jerry, where you said that if they're undefeated, they should be in. In the past, we've seen that not be the case, right? So I think right. what they're doing here is they're, they're in the same thought process. Like Texas is going to win. Let's say we put the undefeated team in there at the four spot right now, right? And then they right. get dropped out themselves, and we can be like, look, we – I mean, we gave the undefeated team the four spot. You know, that's – that's right. we didn't do anything here. You know, so it, it's all politics to me, but it's still fun. And I, I think it's, it builds the drama, right? It builds up what we get, and it's kind of what we want. But I think Sarah probably wants to tell you there's 95 teams that she would like to have play before we go to four. Sarah, where are you at on that? What's your no, number? I, I, What's I your would like to number? have a 12. I would like to 12. have a 12 um, team, a, and I'm we're going to get that in a few years. Um, I just think that it will shake up a little bit better. Um, you know, and the, the final matchup will be, you know, survival of the fittest, which is, right. you know, what the whole point of a playoff is supposed to be. Um, and that I, gives teams like TCU an opportunity to prove themselves right. for real, right? Like, come right. in and win it, man. And I think TCU's problem is, you know, kind of the the style of play. Like you said, they're not coming in and starting strong. So their margin of victory is a lot less than what you have for like a Georgia and an Ohio State and a Michigan. They're winning by a whole heck of a lot more points. And it, it makes them look, look, you know, look like they're dominating their opponents. And TCU hasn't quite looked like they're dominating. Even though they're undefeated, I don't think that they look like they're they've been 
a dominant football team yet. So it'll be interesting to see them this weekend. All right, so let's get into it. Let's talk. We got three games we're going to hit on here that really could have a major effect kind of on the way this whole thing shakes out this weekend. We're going to start out with a game that's outside the window about a team that Sarah just loves to chat about. The number nine, Alabama Crimson Tide coming in. At se- they're at seven and two, and they're going up against number 11, Ole Miss, who's eight and one. Ole Miss is a 12-point underdog here. Where are you guys at on this game? Can we talk about the important things of this game first? Sure. Have either have either of you two been to the Grove yet for I a tailgate? Not. But before you leave this this wonderful earth that we live on, you need to go to the Grove and experience game day in Ole Miss. Uh, it's the most amazing thing you've ever seen in your life. They've got tailgates with chandeliers hanging. Uh, they've got balloon archways. And when I say balloon, I'm not talking just like regular balloons. I'm talking the Mylar balloons, like the, the $50 balloons, you know? Right, right. And it's just an amazing production of people. And uh, got to go down there this year, and when Tulsa played them earlier in the season, and experienced the Grove, and it's uh, it's second to none. But um, you know, cool. big game in the SEC at Vaught Hemingway Stadium. Obviously, like you talked about, Alabama minus twelve, or I'm sorry, Alabama's given twelve. They're favored right. by twelve yep. against Ole Miss. Ole Miss is interesting. I don't think they're a rugged team. I don't think they're um, I don't think they're as physical as some teams. But they do a really good job of matching up. Lane Kiffin is a is a wizard at, at picking on the weakness of a of another team's defense. Now, what is that weakness for Alabama? Um, I don't know. I mean, we'll find out. But um, uh, you know, this is a game that I think it, it looks like it's going to be a lot better than I think it will be. I mean, on paper, I think it's a much better game. I think there. Even though Bama has trouble on the road, I'm 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 leaning to Alabama in this game, and it could be a big win for them. Sarah? Yeah, I think if you're going to talk about what Bama's ne- negatives are this year, it's really only one. It's the penalties. I think they're second to um to the worst team in the nation. I, um, I think I read something 129 out of 131 um, teams with uh, their penalties this this year, and I think that they've just been. Ironically, because with the Nick Saban team, you expect them to be disciplined and they just have not been playing disciplined at all. Um, And I think that the other problem is them playing on the road. I think that they have not, maybe it's their youth um, that, you know, they're not quite used to playing on the road or they're not up for that task, but um, it's been pretty interesting. Now, both of the games they've lost have been on literally the last play of the game. Um, I mean, if you would have told me that LSU was going to go for it, um, you know, for a two point conversion in overtime in order to win the game, instead of tying it up and taking it to another overtime, I would have been like, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Um, Brian Kelly, the fact that he did that was, I mean, like I was just shocked the fact that he was willing to go for it. Um, and he, you know, he did and it paid off. Uh, they, they ended up winning because of it. Uh, but that goes to show Alabama's not, is bad, you know, as I want to say that they are. Uh, They, again, last play, both games. So I honestly think that Alabama, um, their one, you know, problem with this game will be Ole Miss loves to run. And I think that they're doing it. Um, I've watched a couple games this year where it's just, um, I think they have a freshman running back too. He's just running all over the place. Quinshawn Judkins is a star. Judkins, yes. He is a star. He's averaging 5.8 yards a carry, 14 touchdowns. And you are right. If they win this football game, he will have a big game because he he is a star for sure. Yeah. So I think that if 
if Alabama can control their run, um, then Ole Miss is going to have a problem. But if um, if they can't, then Ole Miss, I can keep it close. And I honestly think in the end, uh, they will keep it close, but not close enough. So I, I still think Bama's going to win, but I think that they're going to cover. 12 points close enough then. Okay. In, you know, I think that one of the things with Ole Miss, though, if they do get it rolling, they have a quarterback named Dart, a kid from Utah, and they do have a lot of quarterback runs in their game. And um, he does get rolling a little bit. He can run the ball quite well. And um, so between him and Judkins, they can get things going pretty good. But, hey, going back real quick before we hop to our next game, did that play, that two-point play that LSU ran, um, did that look familiar to anybody? I didn't see the play. Okay, so they ran They ran Jason Taylor's son. Yeah. Was playing tight. They ran Jason Taylor's son to the pylon and he caught the ball at the pylon. But if you, if you listen to Brian Kelly, they asked him about that play. It's the exact same play that Notre Dame ran last year, that the play was called a, a pass interference and the two point <laughs> conversion was nullified and they lost the game. I can't remember who they were playing, but it was a huge game. They lost, but it was the exact same play. They run the three, the two receivers inside. They create the natural pick. The tight end goes to the pylon and they catch the ball on the rollout. And mm-hmm. um, same exact play, but this time there wasn't any PI supposedly, and it worked. <laughs> so uh, pretty interesting. That's perfect. That's a that's a great dig, right? That's just a great dig. Like, oh yeah, you guys should know it. <laughs> so exactly. Real quick on the numbers here. So we talked about the twelve points. I know Sarah said she would stay with the twelve points. The bets right now and the money are on Old Miss's side. Bama has won the last five. They've covered three out of the last five. Ole Miss comes in winning four out of their last five, only lost to LSU, right? So th- this is a game that I think will might fall closer than people think it's going to fall, right? So apparently the money and the bet percentage thinks so. Let's move into one that's moving closer to a team that's looking to get their way in, and we talk about TCU a bit earlier, and we'll touch on them in a moment. But Oregon's sitting there at six. They're going up against the number 25 Washington. Oregon's eight and one. We got Washington at seven and two, and Oregon is going there as a 13-and-a-half-point favorite. How we feel? Um, uh, both of these teams are exact duplicate copies of each other. Um, you're looking at two teams that put up a ton of yards on offense and give up a ton of yards on defense. Um, the defense is going to be non-existent in this game. It's a complete track meet, <laughs> and um, you know you're looking at you know you're looking at a team where um, I think that Oregon is giving up. Um, uh, they're giving up over 400 yards of offense. They're ranked 152nd in the country in defense. Washington's ranked 107th in the in the country in defense. So not very good there. But both offenses are averaging over 500 yards. Obviously, um, Oregon is being led by Auburn transfer Bo Nix, Patrick Nix's son, uh, 22 touchdowns, 88.5 quarterback rating. And um, uh, Penix is the quarterback for uh, for Washington. Uh, gaudy numbers, even more passing yards, 3,232 with 23 touchdowns. Uh, only He's got a little bit less quarterback rating, 75.8, but both quarterbacks playing at a high level. Both offenses at a high level. Both defenses are trash. So when you look at this, I don't know how you – I mean, I, I get it. You know, Oregon's a 13-point dog, but really how do you go against – I don't know how you go against – I don't know how you pick anybody in this game. I mean, seriously, it's like the two teams are playing each other. They're the exact same. 
So I'll give you a couple of stats before Sarah, Sarah says what she says about this game. So Oregon right now is getting all the money. They're getting all the bets, all the sharp action. Everything is on Oregon right now. You got Washington, Washington's coming in, winning three games in a row, but Oregon has won their last five against this team and they've covered all five. So they're, they're, they're very good against this team, but Sarah, where do you stand on this game? Yeah. I hate hearing that part. Cause, uh, it makes me a little nervous because, you know, I have watched um, – my dad was a, a UW, he was a Husky, um, so I definitely pay attention to the Huskies a lot. Uh, and, you know, what basically what Jerry was saying is it's true. Um, uh, both of them are offensive teams and crazy offensive teams. Um, I honestly think that it's going to be a high-scoring offensive battle. I did – write down for um, that Ohio, that Oregon, excuse me, was going to win, but that UW was going to cover as well. So um, I think that they will, you know, it'll still be, I mean, it could be 13 points, you know, but it'll, it'll be there. Um, But yeah, I think that it'll be interesting to see uh, Nick's out there. I, again, I think that he's one of the better seniors in the, um, in the country. Uh, but uh, who's the guy for Washington again? Uh, Penix. He yeah, is, Penix. in my opinion, going to be very interesting. He, like, I mean, he, I think he has over 3,000 yards. So against Oregon's defense, Oregon's defense is one of the worst in the nation against the pass. So it'll be interesting to see if they can kind of at least keep it close uh, so that Washington can make it look like, you know, somewhat of a good game. I do think Oregon is the better team, though. Yeah, I I view a lot of these games like, and I think Sarah, you you're kind of jiving with me here. You like those big numbers in games that are teams that play each other, right? I mean, these guys are used to playing each other; they do it every year, right? And so it, it's hard for me to always see these huge numbers and not be like, yeah, I'll just take the big number with and see what happens because I'd rather go with that. It's just I've seen divisions and things like this be so tough throughout the way, but it looks like everybody thinks Oregon is going to win. Clearly, probably the better team. We'll see. And it, it, those games always end up be, being fun to watch either way when teams are just running down the field on each other, right? So it, it should be a fun game. But here's one that's probably going to be the most important, right? I mean, clear cut. We've talked about TCU. They're coming in at number four here. They're 9-0. and They're going two against Texas, the number 18 team in the country. They're 6-3. and TCU is right now is getting the bets. Texas is getting the money. This number is at minus seven points. Where are you guys at? Sarah? Well, I, uh, as I was telling you guys before we came live, I had actually double checked that it was Texas. <laughs> that was negative seven. Um, I, you know, I know Texas has had a harder schedule. So, you know, them being ranked eight, 18th isn't necessarily indicative of how good they are. Um, they've had some pretty, you know, tough games that they've been very close and they've won a couple of games that, um, people didn't think they should. I think that Texas is a hard place to play. Uh, so I think that, you know, they're kind of giving them the numbers based on that. TCU has kept, um, everything close. Like I was saying earlier, they haven't really won by a lot. So I think that. Uh, Texas is going to win. I, I was surprised that they that they had the numbers. So I guess I'm going with with Texas with the the seven. You know, um, you Making know the seven the points. Seven points. Uh, okay. So I think uh, I think Texas has got this one. But that's not to say that I don't think TCU deserves to to go out there and like, you know, kind of cement where they are in the um, the playoffs. I just don't think it happens. Yeah. You know, I look at this game and I and I, I see a lot of things I like. 
I don't see much I don't like. Um, I think the spread has to do a little bit with the Kansas State. You know, you're like opponents. Kansas State, um, TCU, I believe, went to overtime against against Kansas State where Texas handed them – they beat them up pretty good. And uh, I don't know if the if the Vegas is looking at that. I'm sure they are a little bit. Um, this game in Austin, obviously, um, Texas fans are not rowdy fans. They're like OU fans. Um, they kind of golf clap and they'll get excited here and there, but they're not a very rabid fan base. So crowd noise, I don't believe, will be a big issue, even though I know it will be packed. But there will be a lot of purple there as well, considering uh, they're just up in Fort Worth. I think if Texas wins this game, uh, even though I like Quinn Evers, I think he's a tough kid. Um, you know, I think he's a kid. He came back from a big injury early against Bama. He's the one that got the uh, AC separation against Bama when they should have beat them. That's another loss Alabama should have had uh, was against Texas down in Austin. But um, I like him. But the guy that I think if he has a big day, uh, they're going to win is Bijan Robinson. I think Bijan Robinson, is, you know, if they're running the football against TCU – It'll be hard on them now. TCU has led a big – got to understand, I don't know if they, – they took the whole entire coaching staff almost from SMU last year. Mm. So they took them. They took Dykes, the rest of them. They brought them over, just drive across town, went over to Fort Worth, and now they're at TCU, right? But they did make a change at D.C., and they hired former Tulsa uh, – former Stevensville High School head coach, home of – that's where Art Briles got his start um, – uh, from Stevensville, Texas, <laughs> former Stevensville, Texas uh, head coach Joe Gillespie, who took over for uh, Philip Montgomery, who's the head coach at Tulsa. Anyway, uh, he runs a three-three-five. Okay, he's been a, he's been a DC at TU for a while. Uh, goes down there this year. He runs a three-three-five defense, which is a defense that gives teams fits in the back end and the secondary. Um, it's it's difficult to play, and Texas is going to have some problems with this defense. And I think that's why Robinson is going to have to be a big player in this. If he can loosen them up, they can make some plays in the passing game. But the three-three-five is a tough team, uh, a tough style of defense to play against. I want to give you even one better than that, Colt. You ready for this one? I'm ready. All right. My former teammate at the University of Tulsa, okay, and a former Buffalo Bill for a short amount of time, Moody and Vita Kaz Kazadi is the strength coach at TCU. Um, good friend, and uh, he is, he's helped change that whole attitude down there in Fort Worth. So, um, Duggan, big numbers, 24 touchdowns, uh, just over 2,400 yards passing, 80.1 QBR rating, only two interceptions, the 24 touchdowns. That's a big deal. I like TCU. I'm going to go ahead and take the seven points. I like them in Austin. There's just something about them. They got a little bit of destiny to them this year. Um, you know, tough group of kids, well-coached, and um, I think toughness and well-coached teams can beat a Texas team at any time. I just so really uh, my my opinion changed when I heard that Johnson for um, TCU was still suffering from his ankle injury. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think that TCU doesn't have a lot of offense that doesn't um, go through, you know, through him. So if you know, if he's still injured and he's not playing, then I, you know, um, definitely think that that Texas is just going to run, you know, run a better offense, and that's why they're going to um, outpace them. But if he does play, it'll be interesting. It, I think it'll be definitely 
more um, of an interesting outcome? No, I think it's a big question, and I had that written down. Um, he didn't practice today. He's supposed to practice tomorrow. You know, can Johnson be effective? Big 6'4", 215-pound physical wide receiver, four touchdowns, 42 catches for 650 yards. I think it's a great, it's a great stat, Sarah, looking at that, and I think it's a big deal. But, you know, I'd have to think that, you know, TCU, maybe they're not like the Bills. They can be effective with, without more, you know, with more than just one wide receiver. I don't know. Did I say <laughs> that out loud? Wow. I shouldn't have Oof. said that too loud. But Oof. anyway, we'll get into that in a moment. Yeah, <laughs> but, a little dig. But so no, a little, a little closing right. thoughts here. Uh, I'll give you guys some numbers with that one. So uh, TCU has actually won three out of the last five meetings between these two teams. Okay. And they, they've covered three out of the last five. Texas is coming in, winning four out of five. TCU's obviously winning everything they've been doing lately, but they've only covered three out of their last five meetings here. So it could no, be interesting to see how this shakes out. I think it's the game of the week. I really do. Okay. I think it's the game of the week over Bama and Ole Miss. I think it's, I think it's got huge implications as far as yeah. the final four go. Um, it's got huge implications as far as Texas, because when you right. live in this part of the country, the, the number one question you hear all the time is, you know, you got half of them saying Texas is back. Texas isn't back. I mean, you know, so hopefully TCU wins so we can just say they're not back with the large back. athletic budget in America. But yeah, I think this is the this is the game of the week. I think. Yeah, it definitely is more. It's more important to right. how everything yeah. shakes up um, over the the Alabama Ole Miss uh, game because of what you just said. It's it has playoff implications. So. Right. Uh, before we close out on our college stuff. Is Georgia remaining at the top, or is anybody sneaking in this week that you'd project right now? No, I think the top three stay. Jerry? I, after this week, I don't know if Georgia gets beat. Yeah. I don't know if they get beat. I mean, maybe they get beat in the, in the playoffs, maybe the national championship game, but right now, what they did to Tennessee, I don't, I don't know if they get beat. Okay, sure that I like it. So let's move over to our – our other team that we're going to chat about here. Uh, it's, it's usually a lot more fun to talk about this team, um, you know, but uh, so the bills, uh, they, as Jerry kind of projected, uh, they didn't do well and it ended up as a loss, a close loss, uh, maybe a very hurtful loss in the regard that Josh Allen is uh, injured now. And we'll see what really fully takes place with that. But why don't you both just kind of give me your first initial, how you're feeling where, where that, where that game left you. Sarah, you were there, so you go. You go ahead and go first. And, and yeah, I was stuff. in my feelings for for quite a while after. <laughs> I uh, I couldn't quite figure out how to process it. Um, losing two games in division mm. is never fun because you, of course, you have to hear everybody, you know, talking um, smack in the, you know, in the background, and then you got you know Dolphins fans thinking they're, <laughs> you know, they won the Super Bowl earlier this year, and. Now Sorry. Sorry. Uh, so now, you know, you got Jets fans thinking that they're, uh, you know, better than they probably really are. Um, but yeah, walking out of there, it was kind of like, what, what happened? Um, Josh wasn't Josh. Um, and that was before the injury. Um, yeah. He just didn't look like he was playing well. He wasn't reading um, the, you know, he, of course he said he didn't see a couple of guys, but it didn't seem like he was processing um, coverages right. Uh, I felt like he threw the ball kind of carelessly a couple of times. Um, 
But with that being said, I can't put it all on Josh because we have a lot of problems with our wide receivers right now. I feel like Diggs is the only one that's been showing up, and we have a problem with that, a, a huge problem with that. So we don't have a number two wide receiver. As much as we wanted to say Gabe Davis was it, consistency is more that we have to worry about, and the consistency has not been there. Jerry, are, I know uh, you were chatting with me a little earlier. Where are you on this? Because I, I think you uh, felt like this was going to happen. So, we well, first of all, I think the Jets are a good football team. I think people need to get off the Jets that are the Jets are trash. This is a, this is a what six and three football team now that has a lot of early first round talent over the last so many years because of them being not very good. So they are extremely talented. And then the other thing is, is you got to look at the history of coaches. I mean, uh, you know, Robert Salah is—he's a guy that's going to coach a rugged team. They're going to be physical. They're going to get after it, and they're starting to take that shape. But we are talking about the Bills that are the number one offense in in the NFL, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, we, we are. are. Okay, and we are talking because before we start, you know, I just want to make sure of that. And we are talking about the number four ranked defense in 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 football, right? Okay, one thing they are not, they are 25th in special teams. And the other thing that they're not very good at, and this is what I was alluding to last week, they have a, their defense is taking the ball away 15 times this season, okay? That is tied for third most takeaways in the NFL. Their offense is given up 14. So their plus minus is only plus one. That plus minus should be a lot more. And it's kind of what I was talking about last week with with Josh Allen, the thing that concerns me about him. You know, football's not a real complicated game if you break it down. It's it's three things. It's blocking, it's tackling, and it's ball handling. And right now our ball handling is trash. Our quarterback turns the ball over too many times and he does it in really bad spots. It's mm-hmm. either their it's either their red zone or our own red zone, right? You know, Miami fumbles it in our own red zone, they score an easy touchdown. This game we're going in to score points. We score a quick seven like that. What happens? I mean, Sarah was at the game. They shut up. No mm-hmm. more. No more of the firemen doing the G. You know, <laughs> jets, 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 jets. Yes. And yeah. it's it's they start believing that they're not very good, and the Bills are. We happened in, in Kansas City, yes. Jerry. We, we had yeah. the the turnover in yes. the red zone as well. So yeah. you know, it's unfortunate um, that it's been happening in those areas too, because it changes the the game. It really yeah. does, and. Um, and it, it made them feel like they could stay into it, you know, stay in, you know, in the game. Yeah. So now regarding our defense, um, yes, well, our, offense, <laughs> yeah, our offense didn't put them in a lot of good positions. But, mm-hmm. you know, um, I felt like we we kind of let Wilson look okay as a quarterback yeah. at times. And that, that bugged me a little bit. And I, you know, I get the whole we allowed them, you know, however many rushing yards I can't remember anymore. Um, we did, we did allow them to rush the ball a lot. And, and, um, you know, I get, there's been so many arguments about why didn't we, why didn't we get out of nickel defense and everyone's, you know, yelling at Frazier and people want him ousted. And I'm like, guys, we, you know, it was who we had in the game. I, you know, I am going, I love my boy, Jaquan Johnson. Um, you know, I'm going to throw up the U sign. Um, he didn't have a good game. Um, if it wasn't for Hamlin, I, it would have even been worse. And I think Hamlin had some mistakes as well, but he was also a beast 
not making, you know, making tackles, making sure that it didn't turn into anything worse. Um, right. But we, I think it really showed how much we miss Milano and how much we miss Poyer uh, in that defense. And, you know, it should not have looked as bad as it did, but it, it, it was, it was that bad. Well, I think yeah. the biggest problem, I think the biggest problem in the game, and we were talking earlier about it, you know, in the NFL, you get a three-team breakdown. So every week you get the three teams prior to uh, your game. And obviously Green Bay did something in the running game that has crossed over to the Jets and will probably cross over to the Vikings this week with Dalvin Cook. You know, this, to me, we, to me, this game was lost in three areas. One was turnovers, Josh's silly turnovers. Two, we could not block very well. Um, Josh, I think, was sacked five times, was pressured quite a bit, and and our offensive line did not hold up very well against that pass rush on the road, which is – it is really hard to play there. It is a tough place to play. And then subsequently, our D-line, our front seven got blown up as well. And we were talking about it. You know, Ed Oliver, I watched Ed Oliver play multiple college football games because he played at Houston against, you know, in the AC against Tulsa. Great player, not a big man. Um, I know they brought Settles in to try to get some size. They brought Jordan Phillips back to get some size. But if we have a weakness, if you can start running the football against this, like the New England Patriots did in the snow that one year, or last year, or two years ago, whatever it was, it was we don't, we don't hold up very well. And the problem is, is that we can't really add a bunch of safeties. We're really not a, we're not a press man football team. We're a, we're a quarters football team. And, um, you know, if you notice, Leslie Frazier, we don't give up big plays on defense, right? But if we give up, if we give up touchdowns, it's 12, 13, 14, you know, play drives. And mm-hmm. the Jets just ground us into the, you know, put us into the ground. And we did not play well on both sides of the ball up front. And then we turned the ball over and that was just, and even that guys, I mean, you know, Sarah, you said it earlier, even with all that, we still should have won the football game. Yeah, I think yeah. Edmonds, um, I, and I've said it a couple of times, Edmonds and Milano are kind of like a two-headed beast, and they don't tend to play well <clears throat> without the other one on the field. And, um, right. you know, Edmonds had a, a decent game. It wasn't like his game against Green Bay. Um, I think that they miss each other when they're not out there together. So um, I hope Milano comes back uh, healthy very shortly. Um, with that being said, I want to – state uh unequivocally that the interception by Edmonds should have stand i will put my foot down several times over and over and over again it should have been reviewed and there was no simultaneous possession and i think it's bullcrap so thank you yeah you you know you bring up a good point about milano and Edmonds. they're kind of like the you know it's kind of like the wonder twins right you know they 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 definitely complement each other milano's that slashing linebacker that plays a lot of really good coverage and you know Edmonds is that rugged tough you know linebacker runs stuff down but he's a you know he tackles you if he puts his hands on you you're on the ground and they do complement each other very well and when one's not playing it puts a lot of pressure on the other one to pick up their slack Mm -hmm. and it's hard for them to do that you know because you know people want to talk about when Milano not being in there and so he's a very situational linebacker He's not really an all-around linebacker. He's a very situational. He runs stuff down. He's a slasher. He covers. And um, in that defense, they need that. And when he's not playing, they feel it. So, you know, and it could be the fact also, too, guys. I mean, you know, let's let's talk about – let's let's just state facts. Look at this injury list. Right. And look at the secondary. Um, just, you know, devastated. So, you know, they're going to have to get around it. They're going to have to figure it out. And this week's going to be a huge week because the, the Vikings are a very good football team. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, last week I said a couple things need to happen. We need to be efficient. We need to tackle and we need to get going fast. We did none of the above. <laughs> we did none of the above. Right. And we got the result. But let's shift our focus here because that's over. It is what it is. We're going to come out of that 0 2, hopefully. Josh, we've heard some news about the injury day to day. We'll see what happens. He may play. He may not play. That's all we're getting right now. I think he may try to muscle through. We'll see. But this team that's coming in, the Bills are actually favored here. Right. So this is a team that, that just came off a loss, but we are favored at home against the seven and one team that's only lost to the Philadelphia Eagles, who are supposed to be the best team in football. And they come in with a very good wide receiver like the Bills. They come in with a very good running back that we wish we probably had. Right. Um, but so where are you guys on kind of looking at this game so far? Are we going to be able to turn it around against this team? Is the injury too much? Where are you guys at? I think if you're into statistics and you and you and you dive into you know into a lot of stats in this game, it shouldn't even be close. We're statistically that much better than the Vikings across the board, offensively and defensively. Um, but I will say this: I think the Vikings do some things that um, can give us some fits, and a lot of that is you know rushing the football. They got Dalvin Cook. Mm-hmm. I think he's running for just under five yards a carry. Um, you know, six hundred some yards on the season, but. Uh, statistically speaking, we should win this football game and we should be fine with the point spread. We should cover it, um, especially playing at home. Um, you know, I know it's cold in Minnesota, but they do play in a dome. We don't. Um, I like the Bills here, whether whether Josh Allen plays or not. I think Case Keenum is a very capable backup. Um, I don't think – I have no worries if he plays. He's a pro. He'll be prepared, and and they'll get things done. My biggest concern will be and always will be the health of the secondary on the defense. Yeah. Um, we've got to get healthy. We, you know, Elam now is banged up with an ankle. Mm-hmm. I, I have no idea what's going on right now with the whole injury God thing, but it is not good. And it just keeps happening. Poyer, uh, rumored to not come back. Some of the shows on rumblings earlier this week, um, overreaction, I think, uh, also off tackle. They talked about him not being available this week. Uh, maybe not for the rest of the season, him being out the rest of the season. So um, that's going to be tough. But you know yeah, what? Somebody's got to step up and get it done. It was very interesting to hear Sean say that, um, you know, Groot is week to week, but Hoyer is day to day. Day to day, yeah. So I was kind of like, oh, it kind of, you know, you know, perked me up a little bit to, <clears throat> to hear that him right. state different between the two. I think that has like some roster implications to it as well, right? Where they call it like day to day because he just might be, hey, we're we're done here, right? We're, go- right. we're going IR the rest of the season. Uh, but it, yeah, I get what you're saying. It's weird terminology. Sorry, sir. Keep going. Yeah, Sorry. no, no, no. So um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what we do at this point in time. But um, we do have uh, roads uh, on practice squad, so yep. I have a feeling you know they they might end up having to call him up um, if you know Elam is not healthy enough to fully um, go. They might call him up anyways, because we don't know, even if Trey does play, we don't know how much he will play. Um, it might be just enough to kind of get his feet wet, you know, out there. Um, it will be cold as well. So um, it's, you know, supposed to be good weather, but it's supposed to be like 34 degrees. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to, to see everyone with their first like really cold game, um, you know, for those who haven't, you know, played in Buffalo, uh last year or recently so i'm i'm not looking forward to how cold it'll be but uh you know it'll be interesting i'm actually a little surprised that jerry feels that that case keenum can get the job done the same way um 
I watched him a lot during during the preseason preseason and granted he was just getting used to everything um but some of the people were tweeting today about uh him and Diggs uh revenge yeah. tour against against the Vikings so it'll be kind of funny to to see that happen uh so I like Even though it, it was I, a good tour for them it was a good yeah. tour for them in Minnesota yeah you so know I, that- I mean, I want to believe that the Bills can can pull it off. I just think that there is going to be a couple of things that they have to do. They have to protect the football, number one. There, you know, and that kind of goes every week. But we can't let stupid mistakes dictate that game. And we have to figure out how to either shut down Cook or Jefferson. One or the other. One of them has to be shut down. You know, is he Josh Allen? No, he's not going to be Josh Allen. But I think he's he's got a ton of starts under his belt in this league, and he can win he can win football games. And I think you know, like I say, there's something to be said about having that that consummate pro as your backup. Right. You know, it happened, and you know, nobody thought that Cooper Rush was going to win three, four games in a row down in Dallas, yeah. and he did, right? Because yeah. he's he's a guy that's prepared every week. He takes care of his body. He's going to go. So. I, I, that's why I don't have a big issue. Is if now is he going to jump over cornerbacks? No, he's not going to jump over cornerbacks, <laughs> but he'll be fine. As far as Josh Allen goes, I think I don't know. I think consensus. It kind of sounds like this might be a nerve issue more than a ligament issue. He might have to play through a little bit of pain. Um, it's something that's common in quarterbacks on that hit. If you stretch that that nerve, that right. on the nerve, um, it can bother you. It can cause a lot of pain. We'll see what happens there. But um, the guy that I want to see, I think the key to this game. And I have not heard yet whether he's back or he's not back. Um, I just think we're missing Spencer Brown quite a bit up front. And this is the reason why. And, you know, I listen to a lot of our Buffalo rumbling shows throughout the week. Sarah, I know you do. Colt, you do. Plus, you do. You do the Buffalo nerd and your show is wonderful. But I listened to uh, Off Tackle with Fina. I don't know. It gives me, you know, it gives me the feels listening to John talk all the time like he used to be because we used to have lockers next to one another. Yeah. But uh, John was bringing up the fact that when Spencer Brown's out, they don't have that tone setter up front anymore, that kind of nasty guy, that guy that's always, you know, pushing after the play and grabbing a little bit of jersey here and cutting guys over there. And, and they don't have that up front, that tone setter. And Spencer's that guy. And I think they miss that. And hopefully he can play this week because I think he'll do it'll, – it'll do wonders to get in that offensive line going back again because the other four feed off that energy. Mm. And um, so hopefully he's back. And I think that uh, if he does come back, we should have a pretty good day up front. I think our rotation is better too when he when he's playing because if not, then it's just Questenberry all the time. And then you got to bring in, you know, um, Bates. And it, it, I just feel like – if when he's in, then our backup is Questenberry. It's it's just better all around that we don't have to see certain other people on the the field all the time. So uh, it'll. I hope that he's getting better, but I think he's missed um, two or three games now. Yeah, it's been since the uh, since the Chiefs game. Yep. Yeah, the Chiefs game is when right before uh, right before the. I don't want to say right before the half, but I think in yeah, the second I remember. Quarter, yep. Yeah, rolled his ankle. Um, and uh, we haven't seen him since. Uh, he came out in a walking boot in the second half. So probably a high ankle sprain, which is the roughest one to come back from. But hopefully we see him soon because I think the Bills up front miss him. Yeah, it's interesting that uh, you say that because if you think about who's on that line right now, it's two guys that came from one of the nastiest rushing teams in the NFL last year in the Tennessee Titans, right? So it's interesting that we don't have the energy, but it's because our philosophy is completely different. 
right? So we do need a guy that wants to be the guy that's going to come with the energy because this team isn't built to be the run heavy energy. I want right. to ask both of you. I know we're getting close to the end of this thing here, but I did want to ask you because one key thing for me is I do think Dean Marlowe needs to be elevated into the starting role of uh, this game. I think we try it out because Johnson, his angles are pretty tough. Uh, his tackling looked pretty bad last week. So uh, I think if we're going to be without Poyer again, I'd, I'd almost like to start leaning Marlowe and see what that looks like um, for this football team. Um, but besides that, you two anticipate, whether it's Josh Allen or I would absolutely say this happens if it's Case Keenum, do we see a more run-heavy offense moving forward for Josh Allen's arm? And because something's just clearly not right with what's going on with him right now, do we take this into – Let's get him some space. Let's run. Let's get some play action. Let's start over almost. Where are you guys at with that? Good, sir. Oh, I was just going to say in the beginning of the season, I felt like that's what we were doing. We were doing a lot of those short yardage, pa- you know, passes, um, you know, trying to build up the yak. I know we talked about, you know, that right. a lot um, in the off season, but it was more like, let's, you know, do these three to, you know, seven yard, you know, dumps, and then they get the more yards, you know, after the catch. So I feel like that that's, you know, probably where we should be landing, um, especially now getting Hines involved in doing that as well. Um, I'd like to see him and Shakir out there a little bit more than McKenzie. Unfortunately for McKenzie, I just don't have any faith in him anymore. But um, I think that Singletary, once he gets going, he can have a really great game. And I think Minnesota's um, defense is is good um, on, you know, on paper. But I think that they also have not faced really an offense as good as, as Buffalo, unless you want to consider, you know, Philadelphia, which they lost to. So um, I think that that's how we can win the game um, is those, you know, the short yardage passes and the, and, and getting Singletary going in the beginning. Jerry, you know, I think the bills are a little bit better than, than halfway and they're a little bit better than middle of the league. As far as rushing goes, they're ranked mm-hmm. 13th in the league. I think they rushed for about 125 yards a game. Um, you know, you look at their passing yards, obviously, they're up there third in the league, um, total yards second in the league. But the thing that I'm worried about, and it's and I think it's why you've got to go ahead and try to establish the run if Keenum's playing, because I'm not as worried about it if, if Josh Allen's playing. But if Keenum's playing, you know, Josh, we're, we're, we're first in the NFL in third down conversions, okay, at 52%. A lot of that is Josh Allen with his feet, right? Josh right. Allen yeah. makes a tremendous amount of third downs um, on his own. And without him playing, that's where I think we have issues. So, therefore, it's the old football cliche, third down, we're going to be third and six or less. Third and six or less, right? Um, and that's that's the big number because we feel like if we're third and six or less, we got a high probability of making third down. We can run the ball. We can pass the ball. There's a lot we can do. So, I think we will see a little bit more of the of the running game uh, if Keenum's playing. Honestly, if Josh Allen's playing, he's telling them that he's fine and he's good enough to play. And I would much rather have 80% Josh Allen than 100% probably almost every other quarterback in the league, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so Josh Allen at 80% is still phenomenal. So I really don't know if you see that much of a difference if he plays with his elbow being the way it is or not. I mean, it's his legs aren't hurt. He's not concussed. We don't have soldiers, you know. And and Jerry, to your point, I I mean, two points. Us being middle of the pack for rushing, the problem there is that's because of Josh. So if Josh doesn't play, all that burden then falls on on Singletary and Cook and now Hines. 
But um, when it comes to Josh, he, he wants to play. And if he can play, he will play. And even if it's painful, he'll play. My biggest concern is whether or not him playing can further the injury. So that's the only thing that I want to, you know, I, I hope he's listening to people about because, you know, it is, you know, halfway through the season. We would rather have him take a week off um, and be ready for this, you know, the rest of the year rather than him going out there and doing something that will take him out for multiple games. So um, I'm, I'm paranoid that he's going to miss the game, but I'm also kind of applauding if he does, because at the same time, like, like I said, I just don't want him to, um, to get, have it become worse. Right. UCL's UCL ligaments do not heal. Um, it's kind of like an ACL. I mean, if you tear it, it's torn. If it's blown, it's gone. You have to get a replacement. You have to get Tommy John surgery. Um, that's where that's that's the ligament we're talking about. So if it's stretched and there's a little bit of fiber damage, yeah, that's fine. That can that can heal and everything else. But if that thing is torn to some degree to like you know fifty percent or whatever, you might as well go ahead and sling it and see what happens until it goes all the way. I don't you know you really don't just you don't just rejuvenate a UCL ligament. I mean it's something that it's something that you're going to have to get fixed, but I, I, I personally think it's fine. You the, the dime that he threw at 70, well, yeah. you know I'm just going to say that he did throw the longest pass ever in NFL history right after that. Thank so. you. Okay. You, you've already got B, B, Yes. You've already yeah. got that. Stat. Yeah. I mean, think about it. This, the, the ball that he threw, which and it was a dime. Caught, it was not. Yeah. I, and I said it earlier. I, if, if the, it was, if it was vice versa and they called pass interference on the bills, I'd have been pissed. I didn't think that was P.I. What mm. I thought it was is a well-placed ball through the arms of an NFL receiver that should have caught the ball. It hit um, him right off the face mask. Yeah. Uh, yes. It was like uh, – I, I don't think he could have placed it any better. Yeah, from that, from that throw, yeah, where he was, right. I mean. So I don't what? think he's got a ligament damage or big tear, so to speak. I think he's got that nerve irritated because it sounds like he has a history of doing that. Most yeah, he of does from 18. That's what I was going to say. Do you guys think he'll have that brace on that he, he wore, wore in 18? when he had the the partial I think he had a partial tear or a stretch of of that ligament um yeah. back in his his rookie his season. Rookie season so yeah. I you know my only concern and actually to be honest with you Jerry I thought that if it's a partial tear it could heal. Um yeah, so if it's partial but it's never going to heal all the way back. It can scar up and everything but it's never going to be the same. Gotcha. So I mean if if that's the case you might as well go for it then mm. you know but um, with that throw, uh, you know, people are saying partial tear, but, you know, a lot of people are saying they don't think he would have been able to throw that um, if it was partially, you know, torn. So, you know, I said maybe it was just the adrenaline, that, <laughs> yeah. but people are like, no, your mechanics are just off if it's a, if it's a torn ligament. So um, they probably probably wouldn't have been able to get it that far if it, you know, if it was. So. Right. And, it, you know, when I when I people it's use the term tear, but. A tear can be going from here to there. I mean, it doesn't. I'm talking about actual disruption and of 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 fibers. It, yeah, yeah. It's you know, it's just it's 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 tough. It can scar up and be fine, but it's yeah. It's and a another, nasty, it's a nasty injury to have for a quarterback. That's for sure. Another mm-hmm. uh, report today that I had seen or yesterday, one of the other was suggesting that it was a sprain and not a partial tear. So. If it's only a sprain, then uh, you know it's it makes me feel even better with him going. So yeah, 
I feel like he's just going to be on a pitch count during the week, and then yeah. uh, he's going to come out and he's going to play, and that's just how he's going to roll the rest of the year as he grinds this thing out, right? Unless something terrible happens. But you guys want to? So many questions today about it, didn't they? Oh yeah, we're not going to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, we're not talking about his medical report. Goodbye. Right. Yeah. Thanks. It'll be like that. It'll be like that all week. Every week, all week. Yeah. He's day to day, day to day, day to day. Not going to practice day to day. So it sounds like both of you think the Bills can win this either way, right? We're, we're going to pull out the victory. I, I will so. never, ever, ever choose against the Bills. I love it. <laughs> All right. And we both, and we actually sounds right. like we think they might cover the spread too, right? So I think that's kind of where our, the, the confidence level is good enough that we should win this game by a field goal or a touchdown or better, right? Somewhere around in there. Nothing I crazy, so. but a close game. Right. Here's the question. Here's the bigger question. Is Josh Allen playing? Is Tredavion, is Tredavion White going to play this week? Right, right. Yeah, I'm curious like to see to what happens with Jefferson this week. He's a big-time player. I right. mean, obviously, there's got to be some serious emotion tying into this with Diggs and him and just the whole he replaced Diggs. And uh, there's you got to have this feeling that Diggs just wants to blow the friggin' roof off the place that doesn't have one. But, you know, like just blow the friggin' roof off it this week while Jefferson's on the other sideline, right? So well, it's, a, it's a lot of great storyline. Then you got the Cooks, you know, Cook Brothers. Yeah, Cook Brothers, yeah. You know, I, I didn't even think of that. Yep. Right. And then uh, um, Horrible Harry's over in... in uh, yeah, Horrible Harry, yep. He'll be coming after Josh. So yep. there's, yeah, there's quite yeah. a few. Yeah, he better keep his hands off of my Josh. That's <laughs> yeah, all I know. <laughs> I don't know he's going to feel that 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 <laughs> nice anymore when he's lined up right. or he can hit him. Right. That doesn't right. look like a red jersey anymore. <laughs> I can hit him right. now. So, All right, so you guys ready to wrap it up for this one? Yes, Sounds sir. good. All right, guys, appreciate it. I don't do this enough. I actually wrote this down that I got to do this more often as we're doing this. Please like and subscribe this thing. Share it around. Leave some comments down below, all that good stuff. Uh, I'll make more notes to make sure everybody's uh, – I'm saying that more often, so I apologize, Spence, when you're watching this, that I did not say it more. Uh, but we appreciate you guys checking out the show. Uh, we hope that you love what we're putting out so far Leave some comments. Let us know what you like. If you got suggestions, what you like to hear us talk about. Jerry's pumped to bring his football knowledge. Obviously, going to make it a goal to drop names for us, which is awesome. That one he dropped today is like it's out of control. Good, um, so just love it. Um, so just absolutely love you guys. Love the you know appreciate everybody that watches everybody on the network. As Jerry's been mentioning, you know Buffalo Rumblings. We're trying to give you guys everything we got and produce uh, good stuff for you over here. So we appreciate you guys following along. And, of course, go Bills. Go Bills. Go Bills. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise Flagship Fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise Flagship Fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, 
wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.